HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. Listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and my co-host and producer of the show is Sophie Schlesinger. Uh, and today we are going to be continuing our State of Cheese series, uh, talking with two cheesemakers from Maryland. Uh, on the first segment of the show, we're going to have Holly Foster from Chapels County Creamery in Easton, Maryland. And on the second segment of the show, we're going to be chatting with Matt Cedro of Firefly, Firefly Farms in Maryland's Allegheny Plateau. Um, so, Holly, are you with us on the line? Yes, I am, Anne. Oh, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thank you. What an honor it was to, to uh, be asked to do this. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, too, because this is my home state. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Sophie's from exciting. Bethesda. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I did not know that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit about your farm and how you got started? Sure. Um, uh, my husband has a uh, background in farming. His parents um, are still farming to this day. 
Um, his dad will be 82 in September, and I can't uh, keep up with him. Um, but my husband has a bachelor's degree in animal science, and um, we have been uh, farming with his dad um, for eight years, and then we uh, decided to buy a farm of our own. And so we, we bought our farm about 14 years ago. Um, there was nothing here but an old chicken house and a farmhouse. Um, so my husband always has loved cows, such as his dad, but um, his dad was not daring um, at the time. He dared younger in his life and then, and then got out of it, uh, but always had cows around. Um, so uh, my husband also milked cows on college campus with his best friend, so he just loved the cows. Uh, so when we bought our farm 14 years ago, the first thing he did was run out and bought some little uh, heifer calves, and that was mm-hmm. my first experience in true farming. Um, I grew up in town on roller skates and had <laughs> friends next door and <laughs> very small town, but um, nothing like growing up on a farm. So I was um, learning farming. Um, I was put right in front of it and was loving every minute of it. And to this day, I'm still learning. There's, you know, it doesn't ever stop. But um, after we raised a few uh, replacement heifers and groups and all, we really got a a liking to it and my husband said you know i really want to milk cows and i was floored i was like what <laughs> why <laughs> he just loves them he just he said you know farming's in my blood and you just you're not going to get it out i just love it i said hey whatever you want to do we'll do so the more he got talking with it and talking about it and going over things and started to plan things um he knew that we really should have a value-added uh, uh something to go along with that um and so he, we were looking into the cheese. Um, at that time, I was a stay-at-home mom and um, learning farming. And um, he asked me, he said, you know, what, what would you think of, of going and, and learning how to make cheese? And I said, hey, I'm there. You know, I love gardening <laughs> and, and making pies and things like that. So learning how to make something, I'm, I'm there. And um, so uh, being a very kind of a, a backwoods girl, if you will, I'm not the go-to-the-mall shopper kind of person, but not real adventurous, he said, well, how about Cal Polytech State University in San Luis Obispo, California? Oh, wow. So uh, that was a, uh, a big jump for me to just jump on a plane, fly across the country by myself and take a cheese course. And, but that was the beginning of our new adventure together in this adventure that it has been. Um, so we started taking classes and courses and all, believe it or not, 11 years ago. Wow. And um, have very slowly put this together piece by piece since there was nothing here. And with that said, I got addicted to cheese making. I did not have a hobby. It now became a hobby and an addiction. So I had to take more cheese courses and buy more books. And <laughs> so with that being said, I told my husband, I said, look, we're raising all these replacement heifers, but there is no cow that's giving us milk on the farm. We were getting milk from a local dairy farmer who actually was my husband's, um, still is my husband's great friend that he went to college with. Um, making um, cheese and yogurt and things um, in the home from their milk. And I said, okay, this, this dairying lifestyle seems to be more uh, involved than just a job for you. It sounds more like a lifestyle for the entire family. And, oh, was I right. So <laughs> I told him, I said, I have to have a cow to work with this and just to, to see this. And I wanted to get a really good grip on the quality of milk because as we were discussing becoming dairy farmers was 
what kind of a dairy farmer do you want to be? Well, sure, and what breed of cows do you want to exactly. focus on? And yeah. Right. So many questions to be answered and to do this. So we had to do all this. And uh, so that's when I said, okay, I want a grass-fed Jersey cow in my backyard before anything goes up construction-wise. And i got to see and make sure this is working for me to be this involved in this. And um, I didn't think he took me seriously until Christmas Day, um, like eight years ago. Uh, I literally got a cow for Christmas, and <laughs> I had no That's idea awesome that that was going to happen. Did so it have a bow on it? He <laughs> did not. But you know what? <laughs> With those eyes looking at me on Christmas morning, I would have not have noticed the bow. I, I just fell not. in love with that cow right then and there. And... You know, 10 years ago, I was scared to death of a cow. You know, I just was intimidated by their size. And and uh, so he started that adventure with with that and said, oh, now go milk her. That Jerry's your cow. You know, you'll learn how to. So we had nothing here. So with that, for a whole year, um, her name was Rainy. We milked Rainy in our garage, and she was out in the lot grazing with her pony, and she was a pet. She was our family cow, and I loved it. Um, and so you know, from that I, time, from that time until when you got licensed as a, as a creamery, how long did that take? Wow. Um, a year of milking Rainy and just using her milk as a family cow. And then we were putting the dairy side of our project up in the end of that year. Um, so we had to build a barn, you know, and we had to build um, a parlor. We had to put everything up from scratch. There was nothing here. Um and then a year after we, well, within a few months after dairying, so we started dairying five cows, milking five cows in our new parlor. Wow. We were so excited. We looked down in the milk tank, and we were so excited that when you got the milk, and the, the paddle wasn't even reaching the milk. You know, we're like, oh, <laughs> we need more cows. Yeah. <laughs> they don't seem to make small scale, a lot of small-scale dairy equipment. It sounds to no, me, yeah. <laughs> they don't. So, so with that, we just eased into our herd. Um, and slowly grew with that. And with that growing, um, uh, several things had happened that uh, helped us make these decisions that were next on our list. One was um, I had our fourth child uh, a month after we started milking in our dairy parlor. So I took some time off with her. And um, in that time when I was with her, I started planning the creamery side of the business. The building was here, but there was no equipment in it. Um, and my husband is still working with my father-in-law on his farms. Um, there was a large barn fire, and they race horses uh, here in Maryland also, and they lost 10 of their best race horses one, one night in a barn fire. And that set us back really, really bad, financially, emotionally, the whole works. Mm-hmm. So we knew we just didn't have the extra money after buying the farm, putting the dairy up, buying cows, buying a tractor, the whole nine yards, that we could not go out and purchase cheese equipment and take a shot in the dark, if you will, because people would look at me, they're like, you're going to what? You think that's going to go here on the eastern shore of Maryland, a cheesemaker? Never. (laughs) (laughs) What do they know? You know better. (laughs) uh, You know, right. So someone gave us a bright idea that, well, you know what? Maybe you should start marketing, have someone else make the cheese for you while you market it and kind of set the business up and then just ease into it. And I thought that was a terrible idea. My husband thought it was a wonderful idea, and he won. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to have control over everything, meaning uh, the quality of the milk, you know, and then me making the cheese, and then 
me marketing it, but I forgot there was only 24 hours in a day. Right. That's an easy, that's I forget like that regularly. Yeah. Especially if you have four kids. I mean, that's like, that's very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or insane. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I went up with that idea. I was okay. And so we shopped around and that was left up to me. I found a wonderful cheesemaker. I was so impressed. I called him one night on the phone. He called me back. I was up to his place early the next morning. I looked around. I was sold right away. Uh, he had some different kind of styles of cheese that were made. Cause at, at that time, there was two other, maybe even three other Maryland dairy farmers that were shipping their milk to Pennsylvania, having it made into cheese, and I wanted something different. I wanted to add something, you know, something different to it. And he was different. So I went with that, and... Uh, a few weeks later, when we were supposed to ship up our first milk, our first load of milk for him to make that, he called me and said, I've thrown my back out. I can't make the cheese. And I was devastated. I thought, okay, well, we'll call the milk callers and we'll rearrange this. Well, I couldn't get a hold of them. It was at night, you know. Mm. And I called him back and I said, hey, um, would it be too much if I came up and made my own cheese <laughs> <laughs> out of your equipment, if you could walk me through it? And, and he said, what a great idea. So... I followed the milk truck up to Pennsylvania to make my first batch of cheese. And you would have thought you had given me a million dollars. There was nothing better that was going on in life than to see something come full circle from there is nothing here on the farm to we raised our baby heifers to the milking parlor to they had babies. Now they're giving milk. And now I milked them that morning. And then I took a shower and followed the milk truck up. And now I'm going to turn it into cheese. <laughs> it's such a, a complete circle. So, so what kind of cheese with, did you make? Well, there we made um, mainly cheddars. Um, I really wanted to start out with something that everybody kind of likes. It's something that if it didn't go, cheddar only usually gets better with age. <laughs> so I didn't want something I was going to have to throw out if it didn't sell right away. Um, also... Um, there was another uh, type of cheese uh, that he has uh, an aging room, a cave under the ground, so we actually can get some nice, bloomy rind cave age cheeses from that. Um, so we do kind of similar to a French tome cheese we call Chappelle there, and um, that really has been taking off very well. Wow, that's um, and so how many different kinds of cheeses and dairy products do you guys make now? Um, now that we are doing. Um, we're doing the cheeses in both places because now through that we saved our money and put the equipment in here on the farm. Um, we're doing blue feta um, and yogurt here, so we're actually grade A dairy also. Um, and the blue has taken off so well that um, we're really just keeping focus on that because we need to keep up with the demand. I think that's very smart. We were talking about, you know, a lot of cheesemakers feel pressure to kind of, you know, make a huge variety of yeah. cheeses. And I think if you've got one that's working well, you know, it can be a lifetime pursuit to understand that one kind of cheese, you know, yeah. or just to, yeah. like you said, keep up with the demand and create a strong brand for yourself. I think that's a really great idea. What's right. what's the blue called? Uh, Bay Blue for the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and our cheddar is uh, Talbot Reserve for Talbot County. Nice. Oh, that is Very so great. Nice. Well, this is so this is so annoying. Actually, happens. the time always goes so <laughs> fast. But I'm so sorry. Oh no, 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 no! It's just we we love talking to everyone who comes on the show, and it it flies by. 
But, um, well, if I just wanted uh, our listeners to be able to learn more about your farm and, and um, get more information. Do you guys have a website that people can go to? Yes. It's www.chapels, with an S, creamery.com. Chapelscreamery.com. And this is uh, Ben Holly Foster, cheesemaker extraordinaire. It has been so nice to talk with you, and I really hope you'll come again on the show sometime because... Obviously, we have a lot more to talk about. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Holly. Uh Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Waiting round for hours, pacing to and fro. Would like to leave here, baby, but there ain't no place to go. Getting tired, tired, I'm tired, pretty baby. Getting tired, 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 pretty baby. Getting tired, 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 pretty baby. Baby, getting tired of you. Following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune in to Greenhorn Radio, hosted by Severin von Scharner Fleming, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Greenhorn Radio is radio for young farmers by young farmers. Helmed by acclaimed activist, farmer, and documentarian Severin Fleming, Greenhorn Radio is a weekly phone interview session surveying America's cutting-edge under-40 farmers. Again, that's every Thursday at 2 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, and we are back on Cutting the Curd. That was apparently the Orioles doing a little doo-wop with a nod to Maryland. Uh, We're we're doing the state of cheese in Maryland today on Cutting the Curd. And uh, our second guest is Matt Cedro uh, of Firefly Farms. Uh, Matt, are you with us? I'm here. How are you doing? I am great. Um, and did I say your last name right? I always am like paranoid. You did. You got it right. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before, uh, in our first segment, we had uh, Holly Foster of Chapels County Creamery on the line. And something that I, came to my mind that we didn't get a chance to ask her um, was just, you know, what's going on in the state of cheese in Maryland? Are there a lot of cheesemakers? Um, do you guys have any kind of guilds or organizations or festivals? Um <laughs> Yeah, what's well, the climate right, like? Right, right now, there's there's really no guild. Um, I know we're part of the American Cheese Society, which is a national organization. Um, as far as Maryland goes, though, I think um, I think there are a few new startup companies, uh, you know, coming along. I'm not too familiar uh, with with any other ones other than Holly down at Chapel Hill and. Um, a couple of the other goat creameries down east. Um, so we're we're as far west as you can go in Maryland. So it's kind of a different 
it's a different um I don't know. It's, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, we are not really too much contact with with anybody else um, down east. So sure, sure. So you're uh, sort of more near the the Pennsylvania. Are you up in the the is Pennsylvania? And what would that be? West Virginia. Right, right. We're right in that corner uh, where Pennsylvania is north of us, and and West Virginia is. I think it's about 15 miles west from us. Wow. And so, yeah. So you can, be in, you can be in PA in five minutes, and you can be in West Virginia in, in 10 minutes from yeah. where, where we sit. I'm embarrassed yeah. to say I've never even been to that part of Maryland, and I, and I really? lived there till I was 18. But I've always wanted to kind of go out there because I've heard how beautiful it is. But Oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. we're at about 2,700 feet in elevation. So, you know, today it was, it was 78 degrees, and, I mean, that's kind of warm getting kind of warm to, um, tomorrow it's supposed to be 80 or 80 or 85 but uh, but i know it's really hot down where you guys are at oh uh, yes it sure is brooklyn <laughs> is just like a sweat box right yeah. now yeah. <laughs> um but so tell us about your farm what kind of cheese do you make on firefly farms and do you raise your own uh do you do you milk your own animals do you buy milk from neighboring farms uh how do you do it well um originally we started off we were farmstead and um, when I came on, they, um, the owners were milking the animals and making the cheese and everything. And, um, and uh, eventually, a few years later, the, the herd just got so large, it was, it was getting to be too much. So um, we actually have four family farms up in Springs, PA, which is about it's two or three miles over the border into Pennsylvania that provide the goat's milk for us. So we are, um, we're more, you know, just strictly a creamery um, right now. Which is great um, because you're really spreading that economic, you know, you're creating, you know, saving farmland and creating jobs as you go. That's really Oh, yeah, phenomenal. yeah. I mean, it started off with, uh, with, with one farm that was supplementing what we needed, and then it went to two, and then we got, we sold our herd, and then two more joined on um, early last summer. So it's, and it's progressively just, you know, they're producing more and, um, you know, able to expand their situation. And uh, it's a great setup that we that we have going right now. And that's amazing because a lot of people, that's the biggest hurdle, especially for goat cheese producers, is actually finding people who, um, you know, are milking goats. Uh, so how did you how cultivate those relationships? And who are the people who now, uh, you know, uh, milk the animals that you use your cheese or that you use to make your cheese? Well, there, um, there, there is a few Amish farms, and um, you know, like I said, when we started, the one that was just supplementing us was just a um, a friend of of uh, one of the owners, and they had cows, and he said, "Hey, I'd like to try to get you know into goats," and he played around with it, and very quickly got into it, and there were there was already some established goat herds up in Pennsylvania that supply um, a couple larger co-ops up in Pennsylvania. Um, so it, it wasn't too difficult to, to find some, you know, find someone. But, um, and then it just was kind of word of mouth. Um, there, you know, our, our first producer had a family member who came in from out of town and got into it, and then he separated from that farm into his own, and then another friend saw what they were doing and thought it'd be cool to do and you know they can make money and uh you know you know do it with our existing setup um and then the third uh, our, our fourth producer he's actually retired from from uh, one of the major airlines and he had a a family farm 
right with those other three family farms, and he moved back from the Midwest and got his setup going and, and very very quickly and, uh, and started up. Um, so that's kind of how they they came along. And you know, we get a, every once in a while we'll get a, you know a local farm. They'll call us and they'll be um, processing cow's milk, and they're looking to switch over to goat's milk. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know that you. You get um, you get more per pound for goat's milk um, than than cow's milk. Um, so yeah, of course the the goats produce a lot less. Yeah. Um, but you know you, they balance out all those costs and everything. And um, you know goat's milk just seems to be the kind of the thing for the last ten years. So that's that's definitely a good trend. That's fantastic. Well, goat cheese is definitely my favorite kind of cheese. So yeah. <laughs> the more yeah. goat cheese, the better. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so what kind of cheeses do you guys make and, and how, well, I guess that's question number one. And then question number two is how did you become a cheesemaker? Or you can flip yeah. those around if you want. I was gonna ask I'll, go, I'll flip them around. <laughs> yeah, um, um, originally, uh, it's about, I, I, I've been with Firefly for eight years now and I was in, um, the restaurant hospitality industry up in Pittsburgh and my wife and I got married, and we wanted to get out of that industry. So we um, just came down to basically a Deep Creek Lake is right near our creamery. So we've been we've been coming down here vacationing, and we wanted to move here. And I just saw a little ad in the newspaper for an apprentice cheesemaker, and I thought, wow, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we just got married and with no kids or anything, so we had that flexibility to just pack up. Yeah. You know, I interviewed a couple days later uh, with the owners and put my notice in at work and packed our stuff up and moved down. And wow, and, and just has have been going full steam ahead since then. So, um, and then, how did you move from apprentice to? Uh, you know, um, full-fledged cheesemaker. Did you just learn on the farm, or did you take some additional classes? Or? Well, I did a lot of um, instruction under um, Pablo, who's one of the owners, Pablo Solonet. He's, um, you know, one of the partners, and uh, worked under him for a while, and then uh, they started sending me to the Vermont Institute of Artisanal Cheese up uh, at UVM, up in Burlington, and that um, that's a cool program they have up there. It's kind of like a uh, continuing education course, um, but real intense. They bring in all, you know, some of the great cheesemakers from Europe and some of the guys from the Midwest, and um, and it's a, it's one of those like you go up every few months for a week, take a a week of courses, and you just kind of, I did that for over the course of three or four years, and um, and just kind of learned a lot from books and you know the internet and our um our main supplier that supplies us with all of our cultures and a lot of our equipment and stuff um margaret morris she's up at glengarry cheese making up in canada we've got to get margaret on the show i feel like she is the fairy godmother of of the american farmstead (laughs) cheese movement (laughs) she is oh my god i just got off the phone with her about five minutes before you guys called it was one of those oh man i'm kind of in a bind and and i'm sure and she does that all day long and um, she's amazing so yeah if you guys can get her on your show uh, that'd be great and um so yeah it's just kind of word of mouth you know a lot of other cheesemakers talk to each other and uh, they call each other up if you know they have questions or issues, and it's a neat industry. And 
and that uh, it seems like everybody's friendly and yeah. everybody wants to to learn and and build their business and you know and just make you know just make cheese. It's cool to be able to make cheese for a living. Yeah. So. And where where's uh well so okay so I guess then the next question is what cheese what cheeses do you guys make right. and then the next question <laughs> is um, where do you sell your cheeses? Is it a local market or do you kind of branch beyond that? Sure. Well, we we make right now currently we're making nine or ten different um, types, and we we make from a fresh plain chev. We do a couple soft ripened cheeses. Uh, we have a couple blue cheeses. We do a wash rind cheese, a um, a hard Italian style cheese, and then we're always um, playing around with different stuff. We try to add on at least one product a year so you know you spend a good part of the year developing um you know developing a single cheese with kind of your extra um your extra inventory of milk and um and uh, as far as you know our marketing we um we sell throughout the east coast mainly that baltimore dc corridor up into Philly and New Jersey, and then as far down, um, we have some distributors that distribute it down south, you know, down in North Carolina, and uh, and then Pittsburgh's uh, a big market for us. A lot of restaurants up there. We have some distributors. Um, Whole Foods Market carries our cheese, so that's kind of our big our, our big um, chain store that that we deal with. They're um, they're a great company that you know has has been with us since the beginning and, you know, helped us along the way um, as far as that goes. And uh, a lot of word of mouth from the farmer's markets. We do a, we do a lot of farmer's markets down your way. Uh, we, do the, we do the Baltimore Under the Bridge Market. Um, we're at DuPont and, um, you know, a few others down there. So I think a lot of that word of mouth from those markets also helps. And, we, you know, we have a website and, and, and everything. And uh, and what is your website? Just so our our listeners can log on and see pictures of the farm and learn more it, about your cheeses. It's fireflyfarms.com. And we also have a Facebook page now. I never thought I would say that we have a Facebook <laughs> page, but we have a Facebook page and we're getting on Twitter and and all that stuff and um which is incredible. That's everybody does that stuff now. That's everybody, the big That's really true. That's the big thing. So yeah. Um, it is it is too. a beast, but yeah, yeah. it's it, once you get the hang of it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day, you know, more and more people, you know, you get more of these messages and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, I can't wait to to check out you guys at the the farmers market the next time I'm home uh, at the Dupont market. That's my that's my my spot. So yeah, that's our big one, and that's yeah. where the owners um the um the two owners live down in D.C. They split their time between. Um, the facility up here and down in D.C. and they're um, usually at the at the Dupont Market. Oh, great! Um, and we're also right now we're, we're about a month away from opening up our new facility. Um, we've been planning in in planning and construction for the last two or three years, and um, we're just putting in the finishing touches on our new um, creamery and retail uh, market in in Accident, Maryland, which is right north of the lake at Deep Creek. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, are familiar with, with Deep Creek Lake. Yeah. And um, right there on the main drag. So so look for us in the fall and, and, and uh, throughout. So. 
Cool. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like um, f- fodder for another good show, actually. Yeah. Uh, how to how to go about redesigning your cheese facility or just designing it to begin with. I feel like everybody learns so much during that process. It would be, uh, it would be really wonderful to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe we can oh, uh, definitely. do yeah. a little follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we went from really, you know, basically Mike and Pablo, they went from being in their kitchen and aging cheese in their basement as a hobby, and now... Ten years later, we're building this great new state-of-the-art, um, but still artisan-produced um, facility with a you know wine shop and all that. We'll import some um, you know other cheeses from up in the Northeast, and it'll be, it's going to be really cool. Awesome, very cool. Well, um, thanks for taking the time out to talk with us today, and uh, I hope I hope we can make it down yeah. to visit your visit your spot. <laughs> that can be awesome. All right, thanks so much, and uh, join us next week for another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Bushwick block party, block party, it's a party in the street. Free pizza by Roberta. Death Killer Death Wrestling, featuring the legendary Mad Dog Tosto. Photo booth by Ryan Slack. Waterworld, closed by Chimera Dactyl, Mary Meyer, Warren Bogart. Death Killer Asphalt Resistant Jeans. All types of food for your face. Sweet soda by PA Roberta's Bake Sale. Heritage Food USA. Orangini Eating Contest by the Orangini Brothers. Live music by Alex Trujan. Florida Paper Twin. Gang Sign. The Netherlands. Team Robespierre. Wild Yak. MC Todd and Bo Breezy. Night Show. Yeah, yeah. Sponsored by. Martin Greenfield Clothers, Free Fitness Studio, Heritage Radio Network, Free Williamsburg, Six Point Beer, Momo Sushi Shack, Beer Box USA, Planet of the Fates, Bushwick Block Party, it's a party in the street all day long.